All right, all right. What's up, everybody? How's everybody doing? My name is Billy Ray Valentine. This is the Infinite Fringe. Yes, you have found it. You are in the right place. <laughs> I really appreciate you guys. Thank you for being here yet again. It means a lot to me. Listen, I got some announcements to make before we jump into our podcast with Midnight Mike. So, as some of you may know, I'm doing a live show over on Aftermath.fm every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday at 9 p.m. Eastern. It's called The Infinite Fringe Live. And while I would love to have each and every one of you over there listening live, there's a Discord chat. It's a lot of fun, right? Um, while I would love that, I realize that a lot of you can't do that because of time restrictions and all that. So, for those of you that can't and just prefer to have podcast audio, um, we have that for you. Aftermath.fm has been kind enough to create a stream uh, specifically for the live show. It's called The Infinite Fringe Live. I'm going to drop a link to it in the show notes so you guys can subscribe. I'd appreciate it, right? So it's three shows a week, nine times out of ten, and it's absolutely free. Tons of guests, and sometimes I just rant by myself uh, depending on what's going on and if I have a guest or not. So it's all there. And you can listen to it absolutely free. Go subscribe. A uh, link is in the show notes. Give me a five-star rating. Spread it far and wide. You know, if you don't like it, send it to your enemies. And I would be very happy to have their five-star subscription, <laughs> five-star uh, rating, ladies and gents. So please, if you can do that for me, I'd appreciate it. If you want to listen to more Infinite Fringe content, there you have it. Absolutely free. Three days a week. And uh, it's here on Apple Podcasts and anywhere else you can find uh, podcast, by the way, it should be on Spotify and on Google Play, on iHeartRadio and, you know, everywhere else. It should be there. Uh, the Infinite Fringe itself is not, right? The Infinite Fringe is only on Apple Podcasts and on Podbeam and on whatever podcatchers uh, attach themselves to the feed. But it's not on Spotify. It's not on Google Play. Uh, but the Infinite Fringe Live is, it has a logo of, uh, of uh, me. <laughs> they put my face on it. Um, I, I would have advised against that, but that's what they did. And they have, uh, you know, the two snakes eating each other, making an infinite, uh, an infinity sign. So uh, that would be the infinite fringe live. So go over there. There's tons of episodes already up for you to consume. And uh, I'm sure you'll have a lot of fun with it, man. And, and so I, I would love it. I would love it if you did that for me. Uh, go over there and, and subscribe and you get, you know, three shows a week. Live, absolutely free. This stream will continue. Of course, the podcast uh, will continue without any interruptions, without any commercial breaks, without any, you know, musical things, without ads. Uh, is uh, The Infinite Fringe will stay as it is. Like I said, Midnight Mike joined me. We had a, a very cool episode. Now, to, to get at that, I just started listening to the audio of it, and, and I sound like I'm drunk nine times out of ten there in the beginning. <laughs> but it was seven in the morning. I don't drink. I've never been drunk before in my life. But, um... Seven in the morning, uh, Midnight Mike wanted to record this episode. So I, I was up and I found that I couldn't speak. But uh, eventually it, it, it got better. So just an explanation there. Also, America Unplugged, a show that I do with Don Jeffries and Tony Atterburn. We have our own podcast feed for that also now. And I'm going to drop that in the show descriptions as well. Now, we don't have as many episodes there just yet, but we will start uh, pumping out episodes as early as th this weekend. So I'm recording this on July 6th. So on the weekend of July 6th, um, we should have a show up there at some point between Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Um, so that's Don Jeffries and Tony Atterburn and myself, America Unplugged. 
I'd like you to go over there and sub. It's completely free as well. So, so it's all good. Go over there and sub and subscribe and give that a five-star rating. Spread it far and wide. And if you hate somebody and you hate America Unplugged, send it to them. Send it to them and be like, here you go as a peace offering, you piece of crap. And say, here you go. And maybe they like it. I don't know. I just want people to listen to this stuff. So it's the Infinite Fringe Live. Description in the show notes. Please subscribe. Give it a five-star rating. And, of course, America Unplugged live. Not live, but America Unplugged, period. The podcast with uh, Don Jeffries and Tony Atterburn and myself. And uh, Tony is going to put up his live show there. And Don Jeffries is also going to put up uh, his live show there as well. In addition to America Unplugged. So it's tons of content. Absolutely free. All right. So go ahead and do that for me. If you don't mind. If you so choose. Help out the kid, all right? Uh, Billy Ray Valentine, man, I really appreciate all you guys. As usual, here is the Infinite Fringe Live. Not live, I keep saying that. I'm so used to saying it. Anyway, here is the Infinite Fringe with my boy, Midnight Mike. It was a fun podcast. We recorded this about two weeks ago, uh, but uh, here it is for you to consume. Let me know how you feel it, all right? Take it easy now. Bye-bye. All right, we are accepting calls this hour from time travelers only. If you have traveled in time or you are presently a traveler to this time, then we want to hear from you. Otherwise, the phone lines are closed, but for that group, they are certainly open. Uh, With that in mind, uh, top of the morning to you on the wild card line. You are on the air. Hello. Hello. What's up, everybody? What's going on? It's the Infinite Fringe right here on uh, Apple Podcast, I guess, and every podcast, uh, wherever else you can find podcasts. Also on Aftermath.fm, what's going on? Hope everybody's doing well. Uh, my name is Billy Ray Valentine, coming to you live from the Bronx, New York City, man. Um, but thank you for tuning in. We appreciate the hell out of you. And I got a dude here with me that I've been trying to get on a podcast for a bit, right? So... Um, I, I met him over at the union at the union of the unwanted, and uh, and and we've been cool since. But uh, this dude's a busy dude, man, a busy dude. So I had to I had to pencil myself in a year in advance, and uh, the time has come, and he is here. <laughs> What's up, Midnight Mike, ladies and gents? I'm very excited. O B D M, Midnight Mike. So it's 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 Midnight Mike. So it's M N M. Anybody ever call you M N M? Oh, yeah, yeah. I get that all the time. People uh, call me BRV, so it's BRV and Eminem together on a podcast, ladies and gents. What's going on, Midnight Mike? Wait, welcome to your maiden voyage. Hey, if I'm tripping up on my words, I just want people to know he's Midnight Mike, but it's freaking 7 in the morning right now. All right. It is. <laughs> What's it up, is buddy? Early morning, I get up at 5 a.m. I'm no, like Midnight Mike. That name was given to me by, by my drummer when I played in a metal band because oh. I was I was out. 
like uh, at, at all hours of the night, checking out local bands, hanging out, drinking. And I wouldn't get home until like 3 a.m. And I think he was kind of jealous of my lifestyle. Right. But uh, that changed when uh, about five years ago, I started waking up early and uh, going to bed at 9 p.m. So but not so midnight, Mike. No, not so much. It's like mid-afternoon, Mike, is what, where I'm at. Mid-afternoon, <laughs> so. mid Mike, is dope. Hey, that's pretty cool. Um, hey, thanks for having me, man. Appreciate oh, it. Man, thank you for coming on. I appreciate the hell out of it, man. Um, I am a fan of your show. And uh, I have a lot of people on. It doesn't necessarily mean I'm a, I'm a fan of the show. I listen to you. I listen to Charlie Robinson. I listen to Mark Devlin. You know, and, um, you know, Tony Atterburn and, 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 and John Brisson. And that's about it. <laughs> I don't listen to anybody else. So, um, no, I'm, I'm a fan of your show, man. I, I like what it is that you do. Let the people know just a little bit uh, what you got going on and how long you've been doing it, you know, and why you're doing it. You know, that whole deal. Go ahead. Sure. Yeah. Um, my podcast is called OBDM. That stands for Our Big Dumb Mouth. It started back in 2005, 2006. And it was just a means for myself and some of my friends to sit around, BS with each other and uh, cover some weird topics. But it's mostly like this making fun of each other. Right. And it's a, more along the lines of what Opie and Anthony did or Howard Stern. But I would always throw in paranormal stuff and conspiracy stuff. And I basically modeled my entire show after the last part of Howard Stern's show where he runs through the news. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that's my favorite part of the Howard Stern show. They're talking about news topics. They're playing funny sound clips and they're, they're goofing around. So that's what I do. I, I play sound clips. We goof around, but we touch on conspiracy and paranormal topics. Fantastic. If you had to pick um, uh, Howard Stern or Opie and Anthony. Oh, boy. Uh, I would say Opie and Anthony. I think that uh, Anthony Cumia, the host of the former host, they're no longer around, is probably one of the funniest people on radio that has ever been. Just a consummate comedian, quick, very funny with impressions, uh, although I think Stern did a better job at creating like the culture. And he was one of the first shows that allowed the background characters like Stuttering John yeah. or uh, uh, Richard and Sal, like the background people who pr produced for show, bring them on and make them characters. Ronnie, the limo driver, uh, <laughs> all those guys. I, I love those things, but it all changed right around 2012, 2013 when Artie Lang left the show. Oof. And that's when Howard, uh, geared more towards celebrity focused stuff where he used to make fun of celebrities. He then wanted to become part of the celebrity culture. And it, it all changed after that. You can't take away what he did, but he's no longer that same person. No, no he's a lot older now. And uh, they gave him $50 million to review a show on television, bro. So yeah. can't really hate on that. Um, I, I'm a New York guy. So I, I'm a Howard Stern dude. I've always yeah. been right. Uh, I was taught to hate Opie and Anthony <laughs> because sure. I'm, a, I'm a Howard Stern fan. But um, I agree with you Um, with Artie Lang. When Artie Lang left, man, uh, things changed just a bit. Um, Artie was hilarious, you know, but yeah. Stern was great, too. Um, Everybody, the whole cast was fantastic. I love that show. So to hear you say that, right, is, is dope because I was a big Howard Stern fan. I listened every morning for however long. I even went out and got Sirius Satellite Radio. When they um <clears throat> when they uh bridged over to that, but I I didn't uh, I didn't stick around because he was doing like two shows a week or something. So I was like, I gotta go. What's up? I I, I, I still listen to this stuff. Like yeah. this this past uh, like year and a half has been so crazy that I just want to teleport myself to a time where 
it wasn't always about the pandemic or wasn't always about all these politics as, as hyped up as they are. Mm-hmm. And so I'll go back and listen to like, like, for instance, like today's day, like, for instance, let's say it's like June 20th. I'll listen right. to June 20th, 2012 and <laughs> see what they're talking about on Howard Stern or Opie and Anthony. And I have like the, the archives. So and then I'll just go through and go through that time capsule. And it's a nice way to kind of take yourself out of all the BS that's going on around and uh, go back to a funnier time before the dark, dark times uh, came. So you mean there's dark times. I didn't yeah. notice. Eh, it's just darker times. I suppose <laughs> where everything is like political and everyone's arguing oh, with you. each other, you know? <clears throat> yeah, man, I, I got you 100%, man. Um, I understand how you feel, but, um, you know, I, I can't go back and listen to old school Howard Stern for some reason. I can sometimes, but I can't like, and this is for anything. Like I have, um, I canceled WWE Network not too long ago, but I, but I can't uh, go back and watch their old school stuff, even though their old, their old school stuff is much better than anything they're putting out now. Yeah. I just can't go back and watch it. Like once in a blue, I'll watch a couple of things here and there, but I, I can't sit down and, and just watch. Like, I don't know. I have a problem with it for whatever reason. Anyhow, Midnight Mike, right? You talk conspiracy. We talk conspiracy. It's what we do. Um, <clears throat> so you've been uh, researching some stuff that you were telling me about. I want you to tell the people about it, and then we'll get going on it, man. I, 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 I'm really interested in all this stuff. Go ahead. Man. Yeah, so at, within like the past, I would say, year on Our Big Dumb Mouth, I, occasionally like once or twice a month, I'll, I'll bring forth stories about uh, humanoid encounters. And that ranges from uh, people that are just out maybe hanging up their clothes on a clothesline and they run into three small dwarf looking creatures. Fantastic. And so they'll like these weird humanoid encounters that span from uh, like the, the 1700s all the way up uh, to like the 2000s. And I would, I, as I read through these hundreds and hundreds of stories, I realize that there's some commonalities. There are certain things that just seem to uh, relate to one another. Maybe not directly, but there seems to be enough of a correlation. I, I kind of bring those to the table. Like, for instance, uh, I did a segment on OBDM where it appears that when people encounter humanoids, oftentimes they'll come in the number three. Mm. Uh, like, for instance, like a woman was hanging her clothes out to dry and she saw three dwarfs and those dwarves were dressed in uh, a uniform, typically like a gray or greenish, sometimes red overalls. And they were acting (laughs) as a group. And I, and I realized like, Oh wow. So there's something particular about the, the number in which they appear. And in my opinion, what I've discovered, what I think, this is my theory that if you see a humanoid, and they are in a grouping of three, they are most likely there to collect data about you, the person, Mm. or you, the human. Uh, If you see a humanoid, and it's just one-on-one, like it's just one humanoid, and that humanoid also possibly has like a wide belt, like a a super tall belt, they are most likely there to communicate with you directly and exchange information in a more one-on-one even basis. Whereas yeah. if they were in a grouping of three, right. they're not really there to talk to you or explain the universe to you. They're there to possibly do some experimentations on you. That sucks. If you see three of them 
you're in for a hell of a time. Listen, yeah. um, explain to us what a humanoid is. So a humanoid could range from anything that is like three foot tall, hairy, um, an elf looking creature, an alien gray, uh, a Nordic, which is like a tall, blonde kind of alien. So they're all like kind of human based. It's not like a blob, you know, or some sort of creature that is indescribable. You couldn't relate to it in, in a particular way. Right. For the most part, these humanoids would have two, two arms, two legs, a head, something that at like at a glance, you could say, oh, that's a human. Right. But on, upon closer inspection, it's like, oh, that dude's got no nose and he's got six fingers and he's carrying a backpack around that's emitting weird light. That's pretty much a humanoid. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Now, how'd you come up with the theory of three, right? So if if it's three of them and they're staring at you, they probably want some information. How do they go about collecting that information too? And if it's one of them, he just wants to talk to you. Um, how how did we get here? I I I've been scanning through all these stories, and there's a there's a, a, a good number of books called Humanoid Encounters over there, and there's probably uh 12 books on the subject that span different decades and i was just as i was reading i was like okay here's three here's three here's three and i was just searching mm. and making notes uh about what those three humanoids were doing with those humans in that particular environment and time um and i was also taking notes like on when there was multiple groupings of of these uh entities as well and i was like this, I, I don't know. It seems like it makes sense. Like, it seems like if they're grouped into three, they're, they, they're on a mission and they right. want to accomplish that mission. Typically, they will abduct somebody, bring, a, bring them on board their craft, and then they'll per perform some sort of experiments uh, on you. Typically reproductive. They'll either extract eggs, extract semen, and for the most part, drop you off. Sometimes they'll, they'll let you ask a few questions and that's it. But for the most part, it seems like the humans are none the wiser or they just get flashes of these memories. Right, right, and right. Like they're, they're out of sync. They're out of time. Either their memory is purposely erased or they're taken out of this reality where our, our memory doesn't write correctly. And it uh, is just very elusive to remember some of these details. Right, right, right. So I, I, I want to talk to you about... um about more humanoids. So we will come back on that. But you you just uh, mentioned that, you know, a lot of this stuff is reproductive. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and uh, and we've heard the alien abduction narrative and and uh, how, you know, they screw with them and then they have, uh, you know, alien, half alien hybrid kids. Right. And they keep them up there. And, and once in a the blue, they let the mother see them or something like that. And then we think these people are nuts. But but in reality, there's something going on. I'm not ruling it out personally. I think I think uh, this is very plausible personally. Um, but to what end, Midnight Mike? Not that you know. I know we're speculating here, but yeah. you've done a lot of research in this direction. So to what end? Why are they taking people, you know, and by they humanoids, aliens, whatever? Why are they uh, taking people and experimenting on them to that level that they want to create hybrids? I, you know, I don't know if it's just us. They seem to be very interested in Earth in general. Uh, part, uh, it's partly us, but it seems as though when there is an option, like a, a witness comes upon, um, let's say, three or more of these humanoids, they appear to be very curious about collecting data from the environment. 
Mm-hmm. And if you, the human, are just just so happen to be part of the environment, whether it's like trees, rocks, or whatever, then they'll collect you too. But it it, it appears, at least in my opinion, that there's like if there's more than three of these things, they're collecting rocks, they're collecting samples from uh, the the trees and this new overall uh, atmosphere here on Earth. Then, uh, uh, at the level of like a grouping of three, they're collecting information on you, and it seems like they're very interested in us. As to why, I don't know yet. You'd imagine after all the decades of, of uh, alien abduction stories and encounters, they would have collected all the human eggs and human semen that they could ever possibly <laughs> want at right. this point. Not unless they are examining an ongoing experiment where they want to they want to evaluate the changes in us over time. Like they, they, they set a sequence of events in motion and they want to see decades down the line if what they set in motion mm. is in fact taking place. And that can only be evaluated over the course of time. Oh, Not just yeah. about collection. It's about, hey, they introduce a change into us or in our environment and they want to see how, how that affects us in the long term. So we're guinea pigs. I, it, it's looking like that. And it appears as though like a lot of these humanoids don't give a darn about us. And that's mm. very unsettling to me. And I, I have one story that I can just recount for you very quickly. To oh, show please you go ahead. Take your people time. Take your time. Are, are, are very, these, I'm, I'm calling them people because they are. They, these, they, they, they're conscious. They, they make decisions. And it seems like they're... They don't care about us, it seems like. And this is like, I'm speaking generally here, but a majority of the encounters that I've, uh, that I've read, they are very indifferent about our thoughts, our feelings, and what our free will is. And to a certain degree, we don't have free will when we encounter these things. We have very little. So this story is from 1970. It's in January. It's in Finland. And there were two guys. They were out skiing. It's about 4 p.m. Yeah. They heard this buzzing sound up ahead, like uh, up above them. And they saw a flash of light in the sky. Next thing that they see was this reddish gray mist or smoke up above them. And they saw like a dome-shaped saucer craft. They, they estimated it between 10 to 15 feet wide. And it landed down just about 10 feet above the ground. They, they're obviously very curious. They stood there and they observed a beam of light being produced by this object that came out of the mist. And it shot down to the ground. From that light emerged this humanoid creature. Now, this beam of light, you might be asking, like, how far away were these skiers to this beam of light in this craft? They said it was about 10 to 15 feet. You know, it wasn't like the craft was equal distance away from the size of the craft. And so this beam of light came down from the craft. And this three-foot-tall, I, what I only could describe as an elf-like creature, steps out of the light. It had very narrow, slanted shoulders. It had a hooked nose, small ears. Hmm. It was wearing green overalls with dark green boots. It had a pointed like white hat or helmet, almost like a dunce cap. Yeah. And it was wearing white gloves, but it looked like uh, 
it had like claw-like fingers and it was holding a black box. Uh, these skiers, you know, kind of taken aback, uh, they also noted that when that beam of light came down from the craft, it seemed as though they were pushed back a little bit. Hmm. And like it, it, it had like some sort of force field that pushed these guys back. The, the creature uh, saw the two skiers uh, step forward a little bit and pointed the black box it was holding at these two skiers. At that point in time, the skiers noticed that inside the black box, there was like a hole cut out that was pulsing yellow, like a yellow light. And this greenish red mist kind of enveloped the box and them a little bit. And these sparks started to, to generate. At that point in time, they said, the skier said that they went numb. Uh, half their body was uh, almost Damn. immobilized. They became disoriented and they didn't know what was going on. So they abandoned their skis. They held on to each other and tried to get away as soon as possible. They uh, then said that the, this elf-like creature went back into the UFO, took off. These guys made it back to their cabin, and they became very sick. They started experiencing body pains. They started vomiting. They had headaches. They had memory loss. Mm. They, were, they were evaluated by a doctor, and the doctor said they're experiencing symptoms that are they fall right along with radiation poisoning. Right, right. That's not a good humanoid encounter right there. <laughs> You think, Mike? No, man, that's that's not, you know, um, um, it, you know what it reminded me of? Like I knew immediately, right? Radiation poisoning. But you know what it kind of reminded me of was is the Ark of the Covenant. Yeah, um, absolutely. I, I, was, I was watching uh, something yesterday was Father's Day, by the way. Mm -hmm. Happy Father's Day, Mike. Hey, yeah. Are you a um, father? Um? Are, you, are you a father? You dad? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, I, I've made two other of me. Oh, good for you. <laughs> It's going all right. Um, I like to think so anyway. Um, yeah, so I, I was watching. I came back home and I turned on, you know, and you turn on the History Channel or, or the Travel Channel at any point. It's something like, you know, Mysteries of the Unknown or, you know, whatever, right? Ancient Aliens or something. And uh, they were giving a whole a whole back-to-back -back series on the, the Ark of the Covenant. And I love the Ark of the Covenant. I, I love hearing about it. I love knowing about it. I want to travel to Ethiopia to see it as I believe there is something there. I don't know what's there, but I want to go and say that there is either a replica of the Ark of the Covenant in there or that actual thing is in there. Um, but that's what it would do. It's a box, right? And, and uh, it had incredible power, according to some. And it would screw people up, like, you know, for real. And I, I would, I would uh, equate some of the stuff that, that went on to radiation poisoning to some of them, right? I mean, this is a bit off topic, but let me ask you about the Ark of the Covenant since uh, since this uh, humanoid had a box that he would point at people or, or you know, whatever. And uh, and these people got sick. Like, well, what do you think about the Ark of the Covenant? I didn't even make that connection until you brought it up right now. I right. was just focused on like what these boxes are. And I have a few other box stories, but I didn't even make that connection that this could be uh an, an arc of the covenant type of technology. Right. And the, the, that technology just so happened may have fallen into the hands of some humans back in the day and they protected it. They knew it was powerful. They knew it did something. They may not know, uh, know exactly what it did, right. but they needed to protect it. I have like, a, I'm working on this weird theory about how these humanoids and UFOs merge in, or I guess, 
they merge into our reality or they 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 slide into a reality and it's 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 very tough to describe but my my career is in computer programming <laughs> and cybersecurity and uh, IT infrastructure and to me it seems like uh, these creatures like hypothetically we are in a simulation here and it, it feels real it is real to us but there's some kind of programmed aspect there's some underlying code and, i don't disagree with you if, if that's what you actually believe i don't disagree with you at all yeah there's some underlying code mm -hmm. it appears to be uh that if there is some underlying code that these humanoids or ufos have access to that code and they have basically like a a cheat code Right. <laughs> like back in the day, like Nintendo or Contra, you had like what up, up, down, down, left, right, A, B, A, B, start. Very good. Infinite lives. Right. Um, they have access to these cheat codes and these boxes represent uh, represent their thoughts and intentions. Mm. And so whatever is in that box, it could be something positive. It could be it could that box could be used for uh, damaging. It could be used for transportation. It's not necessarily like a box is used for one thing or another. It's basically just a collection of their thoughts that they can manifest and produce whatever kind of cheat codes they want. Uh, because they have access to the underlying code, you have to conform to our reality. So what do they, they, they want to enter our reality? Okay, it's like, okay, what I'm going to go into this. I'm going to need a, a craft. I'm going to need some tools. And, and these are all going to look like this. And then I'll be able to interact with humans. And I have my uh, assets to collect data and do what I need to do, get in and out, and I'm in God mode right here. I think right. they're doing something like that. I I I believe that. I, I really do. You know, I, I look at the at creation in in vibrations, right? I think we're all in a, in a different wavelength, and and the humanoids are on you know 98.7, and we're on I don't know 88.8 .8 or something. Yeah. And and um, I think uh, you know the, the whole theory of manipulating the matrix, right? Like uh. I think it's possible, you know, uh, we just don't know. We just don't have the cheat sheets, like you said, you know, but, but uh, that doesn't mean other people don't uh, or other humanoids don't. Right. And, uh, and that's a good way to explain how they come here, you know, or, or how they're able to do what they're able to do. It's a different sense of reality. Maybe they're older. Maybe it's an older race than we are. And they've, they've figured out how to do so many different things that we're still infant to, you know, that we, we still think doesn't exist or something like that. Go ahead, Mike. I think I think that uh, there are some people here that have the cheat sheets. It's just we have a different way about a uh, different way of going about interfacing with this code. And that ranges from using rituals that uh, or religion or meditation uh, to for us to interact with that code to get what we want. You can call it positive thought manifestation or anything like that. But there is documented statistical proof that when people get together and they pray or have positive intention on the right. outcome of something, they mm -hmm. can influence Absolutely. future events. They can influence people's health. Um, there is a lot of documents related to that. And I recommend anybody who's curious about that, read uh, Dr. Was it uh, Dean uh, Radin? He did a book called Real Magic. And in that book, he lays out how you, the human, and your thoughts and intention can definitely impact other people's health and the outcome of future events. I believe that I've, I've experienced it in my own life. As I said, many times here on the fringe, uh, that is real. Right. And, and if you want to equate that to a cheat sheet, then I guess it, it is right. You can. Um, and uh, that is a thing that people can use 
We still haven't figured out how to go to uh, 98.7, though, at least no, uh, at least in the large scale. Right. Maybe there's somebody that can pull that off. Right. <laughs> hey, yeah. You never know. Right. Um, and I believe this is what what, uh, you know, entities throughout throughout time were able to do. Like Jesus, he, when he walks on water, he, he just knew what to do in this reality. He knew how to, how to mold it, you know, and, and uh, that's what I believe anyway. And, and um, I, I think we can all do that, but um, whatever. That's a different conversation. Well, maybe so, we'll get to it before the end of the... What's up? What's up? I see so, what's going so, on. Some people are just better at it than others. Yes. I, yes. Some people are, are innately gifted with music or art. Some people are innately gifted with oneness and interacting with the cosmos or interacting with this reality. Jesus is one of them. Mohammed, probably one of them. Uh, knew all, all these <clears throat> prophets or messengers from the creator, right. probably really skilled at interacting with whatever reality we're currently in. I agree with you 100%, man. So, all right. <clears throat> what other humanoids do we have out there that, that, uh, that are running about collecting information on us or something? So I, I've been looking at, like I said, the boxes. I got this little story here that features a box okay. and some of the other kind of little details I was talking about. So this is from Austria, 1967. The time is in the evening. Uh, a woman was walking in a wooden area when suddenly she became paralyzed, unable to even move her eyes. Like mm. uh, a strange object descended from the sky. Uh, it re- she said it resembled a saucer with a dome top and landing gears, three landing gears. That's another common thing. Like a lot of these uh, UFO craft seem to have three landing gears. Mm. Uh, but uh, three men uh, ranging just about uh, just under five foot eight to six foot tall descended from this craft via a ladder. They wore dark brown one-piece suits, transparent helmets, and through that, she could see that they had human-looking faces or humanoid-looking faces. Yeah. And she wanted to say that uh, one of them held a small box which flashed a red beam at, at her when the, uh, the figure pressed a button on it enabled the witness to hear them speaking in English. They asked if uh, she would like to visit their planet, then flashed another light, gave a warning about the wickedness of humanity, then warned her that she might die of cancer Mm. (laughs) uh, (laughs) as she was of no further use to them. They re-entered their craft and they looked back at her and she said that they smiled wickedly at her and almost felt like pity from them and they took off. Damn. Now, that to me, that's not like a, a positive interaction either. I don't they paralyzed think so. her. They <laughs> paralyzed rough. her. They basically said, you're going to die of cancer, lady, if you don't change <laughs> your, your wicked ways. And then they took off. But then we had this story of the box wasn't used necessarily to cause radiation poisoning, right. but it was a piece of technology that they used that they used to interface with us humans, whether it's positive, negative or not. It was an interface uh, device with us. Wow. Wow. You know, I, I mean, that's not a positive experience at all. Right. Dev? You're going to die of cancer and then they look at you wickedly and walk away like I'm going to fly away. Man, that's not cool. But but, you know, like you said, you know, and, and uh, before we get into it, I want to let you get into a couple of more of these examples. But like you said, there goes the number three again. Yeah. Right. 
And, and you know, we in in the alternative community, we know that the number three is special. Right. And, and even if even if um, even if you branch out of the alternative community and just a basic mainline religion, you know, the three is important, the Holy Trinity in uh, Christianity and, and all its branches. Right. They, that's something to keep in mind. So. Man, I, I want to talk about why. Um, why the number three with some of these people, you know, I, and, and, what's up, buddy? I, I tried to look into it yeah. and I looked into the number three. So as you said, like within the, the, our community, whatever you want to call it, the, right. pot, the pot, the open thinker, the free thinking community, I will say, I, I like is, that is um, number three is also associated with the witching hour, which is like hmm. three, 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 three. Right. Or I thought it was 333, but you're it probably be, yeah, right. Go no, ahead. It, no. it could be 333. Right. And I guess the, the the rumor about that, not the rumor, but the speculation is that wasn't Christ reborn. He was resurrected at uh, at 3 p.m. or 333 p.m. And that the opposite of that is the witching hour, which is 333 a.m. And so it was like you have Christ coming to to life in the daytime and then at the nighttime you have the opposite which is much more sinister and evil and i did look into this a little bit that there are a lot of alien abduction stories that happen at 3 a.m mm. a lot a lot of these what i would say classic gray type uh humanoids they'll come into your bedroom they'll st stand next to your bed and they will do this at 3 a.m usually in the in the, in the morning so i, I i'm go i don't know if the the Christ versus the light versus the dark is accurate, but I, I definitely take that into account when I reading the read this stuff because a lot of people think these humanoids, these UFOs, they're demons. I don't mm. know what to make of that though. Um, you know, I, I don't think they're demons, but they, uh, people make that um, make that connection all the time, right? That they're fallen angels, and that's a, that's what gave birth to all these other species or, around the universe. They're fallen angels, and uh, and you know they. They don't have good intentions in mind, in particular for humans. Or, or could they just be, you know, like we are, you know, necessarily like, uh, you know, we, we go in and we take an animal and, and we'll experiment on them and, and see what happens sometimes to their death. Sometimes we take care of them while we're experimenting on them. It all depends on the person. Is, is there a difference? Are there, are there good humanoids and bad humanoids? Are they all bad? Or do they, you know? What do you think? They they're, they I would say they they lean like the 60 to 70 percent seem to be very indifferent to our physical and mental well-being. But mm -hmm. then I, I have read that uh, there and there are usually uh, 20 to 30 percent that are more positive where they will try to communicate with you, try to be open with you and try to do it on uh, equal footing. And those usually happen one on one and don't often happen at night. Typically, mm. it is like a, a Nordic or somebody who claims to be from Venus mm. and or right around there, you know, uh, and they'll try to talk to you <laughs> one on one. And th right. those those people uh, will have a wide belt. They'll look like like a 1950s kind of spaceman and they'll do their best. They'll They'll do their best. There was like a. A story out of like uh, Florida from the 1960s where this this kid, a 17 year old, was walking to school, and he was uh, he let he just he had some urge to leave early for school and was walking there, 
And he was stopped by this guy who he said looked human, but there was some things kind of off. And he had a wide, a very wide white belt. And this guy said, hey, I'm from Venus. And this kid was like, oh, okay, whatever, dude. <laughs> but the, he said the interaction was very positive. And this guy said, hey, listen, I will, I'll, I'll meet you tomorrow and we will talk more then. And so sure enough, this guy comes back to this kid, picks him up from his house in a sports car, and he drives this kid to school. And on the way, they're just talking about uh, humanity, a life, and what humans need to do. And it was a very positive interaction as this guy from Venus is driving probably like a, 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 a Corvette <laughs> talking to a teenager, <laughs> drops him off at school. And uh, that kid uh, continued to have interactions, positive interactions throughout most of his life with some of these people. That's uh, crazy. That's crazy. crazy. It, it reminds, it, well, it's crazy in a good way. I'm not saying it's crazy in, the, in a way that it doesn't happen. You know what I mean? Um, I'm a big fan of the Twilight Zone. It just took me back to that episode. No, we're from Venus, you know, and uh, um, and we have three eyes, you know, and <laughs> that sort of thing. But, um, you know, Venus in particular, right? I want to I want to talk to you about Venus and I want to talk to you about uh, why these people, I mean, humanoids are, you know, 20 percent good and the rest bad. Possibly. We don't know. We're just making assumptions here. Um, Venus, you know, hey, that, that has some lore, right? Yeah. I mean, it's it's the morning star, right? Mm -hmm. It's the brightest star in the sky. It has reference to Lucifer, of course, right? If, if you, it is the Lucifer, right? It, that, that's what it's called. That's the name of the freaking star. You think there's any correlation there? Uh, I, I don't know, but it seems like the interaction that uh, people have had with people from Venus, mostly positive. So I, I don't know what to make of that. And if people are just listening, it's like, oh yeah, people from Venus, then, you know, that, that, that that environment is like 700 degrees. There's no way anybody could live there. But what is conveyed is that they live in a different dimension or a higher plane to where mm -hmm. that environment, as we know it, as we experience heat and, and temperature, doesn't really, is not applicable to what they experience right. in their reality on Agreed. Venus. Agreed. You know, and I think about that often, especially when, when, uh, when, you know, they report on the mainstream media, we're looking for life and we're found, we found evidence of life. I'm like, what, what do you freaking know? Well, you found evidence of something that seems human or, or something that seems familiar to a human being and our existence and the way we live. That doesn't mean aliens live that way. You know, it doesn't mean that we're showing up to these planets with these rovers and all of a sudden, I mean, and we're going to see something. They might be right there just looking at the stupid rover. That doesn't mean we, we can perceive them. You know, because they're somewhere else altogether. They're, they're, they're alien, not only to our planet, but to our existence. You know, it's a completely different deal. Do you subscribe to that? Yeah, I, I, I think there, there's, there's so much. We want to have an interaction that, we, that is tangible, that we can touch, right. that we can analyze, that we can dissect. And then it's real to us. Right. Science right now is struggling. And they're struggling with the Pentagon's uh, UFO announcement. And mm. you know, I, I have my own thoughts on that, but oh, we're going to ask you about them. Go ahead. The, the, they're struggling with the, the fact that uh, the Pentagon's coming out with and acknowledging, Hey, we don't know what this stuff is. It's violating our airspace. And right. science is like, Oh, this, uh, you can see like you go on YouTube and science <laughs> talking about scientists talking about this. Like they're, they're spinning because they want to be able to hold it. 
They want to be able to uh, test it over and over again to right. uh, come up with some sort of scientific hypothesis. But when this paranormal stuff, uh, and I'm throwing UFOs in there now, is that it is a very individualized kind of thing, almost geared towards uh, the viewer. Hmm. And yeah. wow. it is like a personalized experience for you. There are commonalities throughout all these events, but there are certain details that are just for you. It's almost like they're using our consciousness and our subconsciousness as a launching pad for their existence in our reality. Oh, I, I mean, I was going to go there. You know, do you think slightly different? But what you said, you said our consciousness, like they're using our consciousness. We could use that aspect of it, right? Yeah. That 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 they are using our consciousness to tailor an experience specifically for us to get a desired outcome. Cool. It's, seems like that. Right. Could, could it be possible that we're manifesting all of this, that we are the creators of it? it I think I, uh, I take that as a, a possibility. And uh, I, I came up with this kind of like thought that mm -hmm. maybe the U.S. government does know and the governments of the world do know that these UFOs, they exist, but they definitely use our awareness and our consciousness to become uh, to, to allow them to manifest in our reality. Mm -hmm. And if they make a formal announcement acknowledging this stuff, then our awareness increases. Therefore, it would allow more UFOs and more of these entities to use our acknowledgement to jump into our reality. Mm. And so they have to keep it quiet. But yeah, some people know about this stuff. And right now it's not like super prevalent, but the more people are aware of this, therefore then more UFOs and these entities would be able to come into our reality. And so it, they're using our consciousness as a way to get into our reality. So we got to keep that on a DL. Yeah, there's a few people here and there uh, that know about it. It's not that prevalent yet. Uh, I don't know if I believe that. I think they can do these UFOs can do what they want, but they're sitting, they, they want to keep it on the down low. Uh, they're definitely not landing down on the White House lawn just yet, making a formal announcement. And they appear to just want to interact with certain people, hoping that the word will spread, at least the positive ones that they, so, they're they're trying to tell, spread the word gradually as opposed to making a formal announcement on CNN. Right. They're trying to ease us into the boiling pool. Just yeah. stick your stick your stick your toe in there, see what happens. And then you would go little by little yeah. inside. Hey, so you, you made a couple of points there, right? Uh, that, you know, UFO landing on the White House lawn. <laughs> right. If you saw that happen, see, you know what? We would have you and I would have spoken about this a few years ago and I'd have told you, nah, I don't really see that happening now. Maybe, 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 maybe. Right. You, you can't rule this sort of stuff out. Right. But now it's a whole nother dimension to it, Mike. Right. I'm sitting here and I'm like, all right, if I see a UFO land on the White House lawn. Is it real? Like, what, what, do, do I know that it's a real thing, right? Everybody's talking about Bluebeam nowadays because of the fake alien invasion, alien invasion that, that uh, everybody's expecting right now after everything that's gone down from, from 2020 to this point. People are, are open to Godzilla coming out of the sea and stomping on cities right now. They're like, oh, I could see that. Yeah, I could see that happening. Yeah, like that's the next obvious step. Now, they're, they've pushed this stuff into the mainstream so hard, Mike. You know, they're like, hey, 
um, UFOs, 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 they're real. Um, we got to take them seriously. Democrats and Republicans are taking them seriously. CNN and Fox News are taking them seriously all of a sudden. The Pope is taking them seriously. Everybody is. Like, this is a thing. What are they setting us up for? Are they setting us up for something, first of all? Is it legit? Do they know something or are they setting us up for something? And then uh, do we have a, a Project Blue Beam scenario in play where maybe um, a UFO is projected onto the White House lawn and we believe it to be real and it may not? Or, or, or a Jesus Christ or, or a whatever is beamed up into the sky and, and we believe that to be real, even though it may not be. Just because we see it doesn't mean it's there. Go ahead. It, I, yeah, I'm with you. I like if, if a UFO was to land down uh, in a very obvious way in the White House lawn, would I believe it? I don't know at this point. Right. It, it appears to me, I'm using that a, a, a lot. I'm trying to, I'm like, I'm not trying to come up with definites because I hate when people. No, no, no. I mean, this say, isn't I, about, yeah, this isn't yeah, about I, definites, man. Like, so it, it only appears to you as it appears to me as it appears yeah. to everyone else. Go ahead, bro. It, it looks like that when the mainstream media gets on, on board with a particular topic, these are chess moves and they put a lot of chess moves in play to see what the response is from us, the public. So you could call uh, the pandemic and, uh, vaccine passports. That's a chess move. That's a play. Uh, the UFO disclosure. That's a chess move. It seems like the, it, you, like national security uh, crackdown and, like on, on terrorism from the Middle East. Now, white supremacists. These are mm. different chess moves. And they're, I think they're gauging responses to see which ones are more anxiety-inducing, which mm. ones are more emotional, that, re that people respond, respond to the most in order to achieve a certain agenda. So there's a lot of chess pieces on the board right now, and there's a lot of moves, and we're playing this game with people that have had these thoughts and plans for decades, if not 100 years, and there, there appears to be some hidden hand behind the scenes trying to guide us to one sort of society. I don't know what that looks like, but mm. when these UFOs are talked about, in a very real way on Fox News, CNN, when just five years ago, they used to make fun of people, used to make right. fun of the topic. I take pause and I'm very concerned because people are easily misled into uh, taking experimental uh, drugs, misled into starting wars in Iraq. Uh, and it doesn't take a lot. Obviously, it doesn't take a, take a lot. So when I see my friends on Facebook, for some reason, I'm still on there, uh, talking <laughs> about UFOs, like, I've been researching this for 30 years. I don't know if what they're talking about is a piece of U.S. government technology or legitimate UFO activity, aliens. And by the way, we don't know. They could be at the bottom of the ocean in a parallel civilization that's been here all along. Right, right. And I don't see the U.S. government talking about that. They're not talking about all these black boxes, aliens. They're, they're trying to confine the conversation to basically the past 17 years of Navy interaction hmm. when we have a long and storied history of, of alien abduction and human encounters that they are just conveniently ignoring for their latest narrative. Very good points. Very good points. They, they never they've never addressed uh, the underwater unidentified uh, objects, you know, and I and um, those have been around for quite some time. And I never I never once thought of that in relation to this type of conversation, you know, that, that they never went there. 
and they could, uh, I think in 90% or something, and, and this number is definitely wrong, but it's around there, of the ocean haven't, haven't been uh, explored, period. You know, they, they have no idea what the hell is going on down there. You know, but, um, but they're sure as hell not making any reference to it. You know, so what are we seeing? What are we doing? What's the agenda behind it? We can only speculate, but uh, there's certainly something to it, Mike. Oh, oh, definitely. And it, Puerto Rico seems to be quite an interesting place when it comes to UFO abductions and encounters. Like Puerto Rico is a very special place when it comes to paranormal activity. Uh, a lot of some of this FLIR footage that has come out about UFOs is in around Puerto Rico. Um, and then you have a, a, a very rich history of folklore and uh, paranormal activity from Puerto Rico. There was a uh, there's a story of a, this kid who was suffering from tremendous illness. He was in Puerto Rico and he was about uh, 15, 16 years old. This is probably back in the 1980s. And he was just writhing in agony. And his diagnosis was that he was going to die. And, but they didn't know what was wrong with him. They had no idea. And this poor kid, like in the middle of the night, was just crying out for help. He was praying with all his heart and his mind, praying for help. Next thing you know, this light object came into his room. And he was consumed by the light. And he was flown up into the air and taken into the ocean. And there he said that he was in this light craft with these other entities and he was taken into this cave system that he thought was like under his impression that he was definitely under the sea. He was under the ocean, he was underwater somewhere. And he was taken into this, uh, this cave where he was laid down and this humanoid, tall, taller humanoid right around six or seven feet tall that kind of looked like a taller gray was glowing a little bit and he said, as he was laying down, that this gray alien laid down on top of him, almost sinking into him, and that they almost merged. And at that point in time, he said he got this download of information mm. and consciousness, and he didn't understand what was going on. And it was just all like out of time, out of sorts. And then next thing you know, he wakes up in his bed. He wakes up groggy, still in pain, but over the next week or two, all his symptoms go away and he is healthy and he's renewed and he's reinvigorated with life and he's positive. And he, he gets a diagnosis from the doctors that all his symptoms, all his sicknesses, they just went away and they have no medical explanation for it at all. Incredible. And so what, like that's a positive interaction. Yeah. The, 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 the kid was praying out of desperation to be saved. And he was, I believe he was, he was praying to, to uh, Jesus Christ and right. his Lord and Savior. But he was, it was answered by these, these humanoids, and they fixed them. Incredible. I don't, I, I don't know what somebody? to make of that. Well, I mean, I mean, they, they, I, mean I, I would hope for more of those interactions. You know, I, I believe we can, I believe we have that power. I believe we can heal ourselves also, you know. I mean, that's another thing that people are like, no, you can't do it. Oh, my God, you know. <laughs> but I think it can be done. I think so. You know, so so when I when I hear about things like this, it 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 uh it 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 makes me hopeful. It makes me happy. You know, um, that something like that was able to happen. That's that's a positive experience, right? And I got a couple of more questions for you before we get out of here. Listen, sure. um, um, so a positive experience, right? And the negative, we get a lot of the negative, right? Could it be possible, in your estimation, that um, since we're talking about you know uh, 
fallen angels and aliens and all this other stuff, right? You, you know Sumerian lore, right? And, and there's Enlil and there's Enki, right? And Enki was the keepers of the humans, pretty much. He wanted us to be cool. He wanted us to have, you know, uh, uh, I don't think I'm screwing it up. I don't think it was Enlil. I think it was Enki. Uh, that he wanted us to have, you know, to to be conscious and 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 have free will and and look after us. And Enlil wanted to end us. He's like, that's it. It's over, right? Do you think there's any any truth to uh, to maybe some of these uh, humanoids are are followers of Enki or followers of Enlil, and that's why we have what we have. I think there's 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 something to that, like this, the, the old Sumerian lores where there was a, a, a conflict in decision making in the future for humanity. And one side wanted us humans to to just live and come into their own. And the other is like, no, nah, these humans have got to go. They're a nightmare. They stink and they're horrible. Uh, as for the uh, followers, it, it it looks like that we've had. Uh, some genetic manipulation over time. I, I agree with And it, it looks like that they're keeping tracks on our genetic manipulation, how that is evolving over the past thousands of years. You know, a lot of people are just like, oh, you know, like common history, like BCE, you know, only go, we only know really, uh, you know, maybe 2000 years BCE up until now. And most of that stems from the Egyptian culture. I think, these stories of Sumeria and the great flood go way further back than mm. that. And that these interactions have been happening for a very long time. And us humans are, while we're the highest rung on the food chain here on earth. So we believe there is much higher levels than that. And we are being looked after like we're in some sort of experiment here. Mm -hmm. And a lot of us are just able to go about our lives and, that's it. While others are interacting with these creatures and entities on a much more frequent basis. Uh, I haven't had, I mean, I've had some interesting memories and encounters, but I haven't had any as of late. My, my, the memory I have is I was like six or seven years old. And I remember waking up on a table face down, mm. my, my arms tied to either end of the table, my legs tied to either end of the table. I remember turning my head to the left and looking back and I was crying. And I remember like, I remember hearing other cries. Like I was in a room full of these kids. Right. And I remember looking back and there was somebody kind of dressed in white behind me. And I remember feeling like they had some sort of sympathy for me. Mm. And I remember getting my left leg free of these bindings and kicking back. And I remember that feeling of gratitude and how proud I was of myself of being able to kick back at this thing. But then they grabbed my leg, put it, pushed it back down and retied it. And that's my memory. That is I, crazy. I cannot. Now, I asked anesthesiologists. I asked my parents. I asked everyone I, that professionals like my, I asked my parents, what happened to me? Why would this happen? I asked an anesthesiologist. Is this normal for kids to be tied down during surgery? Um, and then I, I've had, I went to psychics. I can't place the memory. I don't, it, to me, it, it's not a dream. Like, I know what a dream is. This was right. not it. This was something else. And to me, I feel it happened to me. I don't know how it plays into all these humanoid encounters or what I was a part of, or if I was a part of anything. Could it be my imagination, but it's me. I think about that thing almost like every other day at this point. That memory is 
like etched in me. Yeah, I, I don't think that's your imagination, brother. Um, uh, and wh- whatever, we, we're glad to have you here, uh, no matter what you went through. And um, I'm sure at some point it will become evident to you what the hell happened. I think everybody gets to know what happened to them at some point. So, um, but we're, we're glad to have you here, Midnight Mike. Listen, one more thing before we get up out of here. Sure. That was a hell of a story, by the way. Uh, <laughs> uh, have you ever heard, since we're talking about humanoids, and we, we're barely scratching the surface here. We'll have you back at some point to continue your research um, and continue talking about your research. But um, have you ever heard of organic robotoids? Uh, I've heard of robot humanoids, but not necessarily organic. What do you mean? Or- organic robotoids. This was a theory put forth by Mr. Peter Beter. Yeah, that's his name. Um, he's a real person in the 70s and uh, he had put out a a narrative and if you go to youtube and, and uh, any any conspiracy theorist any like hardcore like you need to know you need to look at it and you and you dig this go find peter beater on youtube right there is tons of his uh, um letters they're spoken words uh, he's speaking them but he called them video letters or whatever out there for you to listen to and it's fascinating is it true I don't know. I don't think so. I love listening to it regardless. Um, He has a theory that um, Russia created an organic robotoid. And and, and this is like a a clone of Midnight Mike, but not necessarily a clone. Like it wouldn't be like a baby. You know, they, they can create it right away and it'll be it'll look just like you and do what you do at your age right now. The whole deal. And he said that. um. A lot of the Supreme Court uh, was replaced with organic robotoids at the time. He said the Pope was killed and replaced with an organic robotoid. Um, and uh, <clears throat> it reminds me of the humanoid thing just because it well, it's a robotoid. You know, it's kind of. So uh, I, I thought I found this guy extremely fascinating and I wanted to know if you knew anything about him. I'm going to throw him your way because I think you'll find him extremely fascinating as well. Peter Beter, organic robotoids. What do you think? I'll take a I'll take a look at that. I haven't heard of it put like that, but that is one of the so I haven't heard of that that term. Uh, but that is one of the theories about Roswell uh, in the book of uh, Area 51. Very mm. thick book in that book. They uh, they speculate that what crashed there was actually uh, a super secret Russian or Soviet <laughs> Union vehicle right. that was occupied by these robotoids, by artificially engineered creatures that looked somewhat human, but mostly kind of alien, and that they had to cover it up. They initially went with UFOs or uh, extraterrestrials, and they, oh, they, oh crap, no, no, uh, make, make, it a, make it a weather balloon. Because they didn't <laughs> want uh, the U.S. public to, to know that Russia was violating our airspace with impunity and had access to this interesting technology, and that they were cloning and making these weird humanoids. Because... Honestly, at that point in time, that could have meant war right away. Right. And uh, they, they may have not have been prepared to do that. As for replacing uh, us as robotoids, that's very concerning. I think it's uh, when you take into all of UFOs into account, a lot of people think that the greys are engineered creatures, mm. that they don't have a soul. And the, one of the reasons why they are so interested in us is because our soul can get to higher dimensions. So mm. we're, we're living here like on dimension four, hypothetically. Yeah. Our soul 
has the capability. When, we, when it leaves our body, it can go to dimension nine. But these grays, they live on dimension five, and they have no way of advancing because they have no soul. And they really want to get there. So they fuse their DNA with ours to take over our soul and use it as a launching pad to get to higher dimensions. Oh, God, that's freaking crazy, bro. Like, wow, man, imagine if that's the case. That's nuts. You know, and I've heard similar theories, but Jesus, man, if uh, damn, that's crazy. That is that. <laughs> I hope that's not the case at all, man. Listen, Midnight Mike, I, I had a blast talking to you about all of this today, this morning. <clears throat> my, my, excuse my voice has been in and out, so but, good. but now now I'm not talking to you, Mike. I'm talking to the people. <laughs> Oh. Excuse my, you know, you're good, Mike. You're fine if you hear me. Like, it's it's not a big deal. Ah, damn, I just thought of something before we get out of here, man. So, so you're talking about the grades, right? And um, how how they might be created entities that that don't necessarily have a soul. I've heard the theory that um, they are actually humans from the future. Because when we travel off into space, we inevitably change be, to, to adapt, you know, uh, to whatever uh, environments we find ourselves in. And that we, we, we turned into the grays and we were coming back in time to maybe, I don't know, come back to what we used to be somehow. Or maybe we've lost a part of ourselves at that point and that that's why they're trying to get something back. What do you think of that theory? Uh, I like that one too, that they're actually time travelers from a few thousand, maybe 10,000 years in the future right. and that they lost their soul. They're merging through technology, produced them as they are. And they're like, oh crap, you know what? We really needed that soul. You know, after all, we really need that thing <laughs> and we got to go back and get it. So they're nostalgia for these simple primitive humans because we're, we are more pure now than what they are 10,000 years from now. So they right. need it back. They got to do something, but that's a whole nother topic uh, and it gets really crazy, but I'd love to get into it with you at some time in the future. Well, that's, that's where to leave it. That's where to leave it right there. Mr. Midnight Mike OBDM, ladies and gents, go check them on YouTube, on a pod beam, on a Apple podcast, anywhere you can find uh, you know, quality podcasts, you will find OBDM. And uh, if you want to, if you want to see the show itself, you know, you can find it on, uh, on YouTube don't know how long that's going to last because everybody's in and out of YouTube, but um, I'm sure Mike uh, has backup plans and the whole deal. Midnight Mike, it's been a hell of a pleasure to have you on. Start my day this way. Now I'm pumped. I'm going to go look at humanoids and maybe grays and shit all day long. It's going to be fantastic. I can't wait. Tell the people where they can find you, sir. Yes. Thank you, Billy Ray. Uh, OBDMPod.com or on YouTube, search for OBDM videos. All you got to do, if you see a dinosaur holding an AK-47 and uh, a city background, <laughs> you found the show. <laughs> Fantastic. Hold on for just a sec. My name is Billy Ray Valentine. Take it easy, everybody. Make sure you uh, subscribe and, you know, do the whole deal. You know, um, we, we have a new a new show that, that we're doing every Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday, 9 p.m. Eastern over at Aftermath.fm. It's the Infinite Fringe Live. And they've been kind enough to create uh, uh, a podcast stream for this. So if you can't listen live, you go over to the podcast and you listen there. It's They just uploaded it. I have no control over this, but stuff is, is going up all the time. So uh, go subscribe, The Infinite Fringe Live. If you look up The Infinite Fringe, you're going to find The Infinite Fringe Live. So just go on there. It's brand new. Go subscribe. Give me a five-star rating, something like that. Something cool. 
uh, and uh, and listen to it. It's free, and it's it's a you know three three days a week. You're gonna get content out of there, um, and uh, we're gonna have a lot of fun. We are having a lot of fun. Maybe we'll have Mike on there at some point. I'll pencil him. I'll pencil him in for this time, 2022, and and see, <laughs> and see if it happens. Listen, don't burn the place down while I'm gone. All right, take it easy now. Bye bye.